What is up, everybody? Hope everybody's having a great week. It is almost the weekend. Today, I want to start off talking about Carson Wentz's injury and why I think Nick Foles should be brought in. So there's this very unnecessary narrative in sports. Like, oh, that guy's not great. He needs this and that and everything in between. In basketball, you have the argument between Michael Jordan, LeBron, and even Kobe Bryant. Everyone says Jordan couldn't win until Pippen and Phil got to Chicago. LeBron couldn't win until he went to Miami, then Cleveland again, and now now L.A. with the bubble last year and getting Anthony Davis and the coach of his choosing. And then Kobe couldn't win unless he had Shaq or Gasol. And football, you had Tom Brady. He couldn't win without all-stars surrounding him, which... He never really did, at least on offense. Or Bill Belichick, possibly the greatest head coach of all time, possibly all sports, in my opinion. Then Manning needed star receivers and an all-time defense. Same with Brady. So I'm I'm trying to get to a point here. You ever you ever be in a job that you're great at? Say you work at a car wash as like a supervisor. You're great at that job. You're so great at it. Your corporate sees you, whatever. You move to a new site. You become the general manager. Maybe you open it up. Starts off a little rocky, and you wonder why. It's possibly because at the previous site, you had everything great around you. Everything clicked there. And like I said, I'm, I'm getting off point here. Carson Wentz is set to be out for 5 to 12 weeks for for foot surgery. Best case, best case scenario, he's back in mid-September, which technically isn't bad. you got a month of preseason games. He misses a couple games. It's not a big deal. Colts got a great roster. Worst case, he's back in November. So a couple questions I want to ask everyone. Does anyone remember who took over for him in the 2017 season? Anyone remember the offensive coordinator from that year? You know the year Philly took down New England to win the franchise, its first ever Super Bowl? Nick Foles. Current Chicago Bears backup. Former Super Bowl MVP. And Frank Reich. Current head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Chicago Bears just got Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, if need be. Colts got Jacob Eason. And I'm telling you right now, that locker room does not believe in him. And I'm not putting him down. I'm just saying, right, it, not a lot of confidence right there. Referring to my comparisons at the top of the segment, no matter how good or great you are, no matter how good or great you are, you got to have the right pieces around you to succeed. You need a great support system. Whatever it is you need. And Nick Foles, outside of his career, hasn't been great. Unless he had Andy Reid or Frank Reich. A good support system and a good mindset matters. Positive mindset, I should say. And Foles would have both in Indy. He's a positive guy. He's had the best offensive line in the AFC. One of the better defenses in the league. A one-two punch at running back. 
not the best division. Jacksonville, I know they've got Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer. It's the first year there with both those guys. I don't expect them to blow the roof off anywhere. Houston, there's a lot of questions there. Roster's not great. Head coach isn't that great. Well, we can't say that yet. Deshaun Watson, who knows how much he's going to play. You don't know. Tennessee, I wouldn't call them a powerhouse, maybe on offense, but on defense, not really. They don't got a lot of competition. That's what I'm saying. In the division. Anyways, bringing Nick Foles is a perfect story. I realize there's no perfect stories in sports. This isn't a Disney movie. But I'm just saying right now, it's a perfect scenario for Indianapolis. And no, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz's feelings will not be hurt. He's a grown man. And if they are, if his feelings are hurt, he might need to look for some different career opportunities. Anyways, my opinion on the Canadian Football League is next. Okay, so the CFL is back. The Canadian Football League. Canada football. Canadian football. I don't know why I said Canada. Canadian football. And the NFL. That's played in the United States. Besides international league games. No need to get specific. 32 teams in the NFL. There's 9 teams in the CFL. No, they do not ever play each other. Although I know back in the day before even the... I think it was just the NFL. There was no AFC and NFC. NFC is just the NFL. I know something that's pretty cool. The NFL and the CFL used to play each other in exhibition games. I don't know how that worked due to scheduling, but it, hey, it worked back then. Anyways, it's returned after a two-year break. I wouldn't really call it a break, but two-year hiatus due to the pandemic. And I wanted to give you guys a few reasons why as to why I I like it so much, why I'm a big fan of it. So to start off, the NFL has four downs, right? First, second, third. Can't convert on those. Punt. This league has three downs instead of four. So essentially, a team gets two opportunities to get 10 yards or more to convert on downs. In the NFL, there's really no wide receivers in motion unless it's something specific, a specific play, a sweep, whatever. However, in this league... Wide receivers are allowed to be in motion before the snap, essentially a running start. They also have something known as a road kick or road kick or a raj kick, which in a sense happens on any kick play, field goal, kickoff, punt, whatever, and can result in a single point, which you don't see in football in the U.S. Also, the field is bigger. I believe it's 10 yards wider and 20 yards longer, if I'm not mistaken. The field goal post, instead of being at the back of the end zone, kind of like how the NFL used to be back in the day, they're at the front of the end zone, and then the end zone is however many yards back. The season is longer. It typically lasts from early June to late November, excluding this year. There's two bye weeks, a three-week preseason, an 18 game schedule, and also the Grey Cup Trophy. If you've never watched it, 
I suggest giving it a try this year. It is very exciting to watch. It is very heavy on passing. ESPN has announced they will air the full season. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they'll air the first half and then air the playoffs when they come on. So games are kind of harder to watch in the back half. But this year with a shortened season and everybody's wanting sports back, they're going to air it all. So I think it's a good move. Games are typically on Friday and Saturday nights. And if I had to pick a Grey Cup winner, it would be the Hamilton Tiger Cats. That pick is a tad biased due to a buddy from high school, or somebody I know from high school, Leslie Maruo. He debuts in the CFL this year with Hamilton and is a linebacker, number 54. Keep an eye out for him. He's a stud, a great guy, and a hell of an athlete. Good luck to you, Leslie. We'll be watching. Now on to NBA Free Agency. I'm not going to go over all of NBA Free Agency because that is insane. Too much to cover. I'm not I'm not going to go over it. However, Patty Mills has been traded to the Nets, which pretty much completes the super team. So if Brooklyn doesn't win next year, consider me shocked. Because the only other winner I can see is Milwaukee. But it is just a bit tad too early to make any sort of predictions. So I'll hold off on that till January. I did mention Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls earlier. I just want to ask, are the Chicago Bulls officially back? No, 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 no. Again, too early, too early to predict. But they had Zach Levine, which they still do. But now they've got DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, and even Alex Caruso. I'm not going to say they're back, but definitely a team to be excited to watch in the 2021 to 2022 season. The Golden State Warriors signing Curry to a four-year extension comes as no surprise. He saved the franchise like Mahomes saved the Chiefs. Well, sort of. He's the best pure shooter of all time. I think his defense is very underrated. And if they get Ben Simmons, watch out. Not for Ben Simmons shooting, but you know his passing since he seems to have that down pat. Miami Heat. Reloaded, signing Butler to a max extension and getting Kyle Lowry from Toronto. Right now, I think they're the third best team in the East, unless Chicago new squad clicks, which I think it will. Now, what everybody's talking about, the Los Angeles Lakers. They received Westbrook from Washington and also acquired Carmelo Anthony. And they've still got LeBron and Anthony Davis and quite a decent bitch, bench. I'm not going to call them a championship team, because I honestly don't think they are. The the average age of this team isn't really young in basketball terms, to say the least. And LeBron gets all defensive, saying how they haven't even played a game yet. And we're all just doubting him again. Wasn't he the one up in Miami? I spoke about it earlier. Wasn't he the one up in Miami saying how many championships they'd win down in Miami before they even played a game? You know the famous not not six, not five, not four. Anyways, we're just predicting a little early like you were there, champ. So calm down. I respect the Lakers. You guys know that. But listen here, Laker Nation. You are not the WWE. You can't expect to bring in old guys older guys, and expect everyone to be on board right away. 
but it is Lakers, and I'm sure they will prove quite a few of us wrong. LeBron is still legitimate. Not counting them out. I'm just saying, just pump the brakes a little bit. Pump the brakes. Top 10 wide receivers headed into the NFL next to end the show. Okay, so I've done top 10 quarterbacks and top 10 running backs. You guessed it, top 10 wide receivers headed into the NFL season. Coming in at number 10, Calvin Ridley, Atlanta Falcons. He has shown he had shown high-end play in his first and second year with Atlanta, 2018 and 2019. And then 2020, I wouldn't say he went off, but yeah, he went off. Expect him to be one of the top receivers in the NFC this year, with Julio now in Tennessee. Number 9, Justin Jefferson, Minnesota Vikings. As much as Ridley played well his rookie year, Jefferson had the second best rookie year for receiver of all time in terms of 90.5 receiving grade, only second behind Odell Beckham Jr. per PFF. Number 8, Adam Thielen, Minnesota Vikings. Thielen had what you would call a bounce-back year in 2020, after an injury-riddled season in 2019, and with Justin Jefferson showing what he can do do his rookie year, I see a lot more opportunities for Thielen doing what he does best. Number 7, Stefan Diggs, Buffalo Bills. This guy will forever be known as the guy who brought the best out in Josh Allen, and also, frankly, the best route runner in today's NFL. Another year in Buffalo, another year in Buffalo should be no different. Coming in number six, one of the greatest receivers of all time, Julio Jones, Tennessee Titans. That will take some getting used to. After being injured in most of 2020 and now a new team in 2021, I'm honestly expecting Julio to have a career year with Tannehill and company. Number five, I've got A.J. Brown, Tennessee Titans. As great as Julio is, A.J. Brown has a lot to feed off of when it, comes to the, when it comes to production sharing with Julio. Basically a spitting image of Julio, just more of a red zone threat in my opinion. Number four, Allen Robinson, Chicago Bears. After having to deal with poor quarterback play most of his career, he's finally a quarterback with a lot of potential. And finally has a quarterback with a lot of potential and Justin Fields to get him the ball. Number three, I've got Tyreek Hill. He'd be a bit higher on this list than number two. However, seeing his performance in the Super Bowl, he had that pass hit him right in the face mask. You remember it. I don't expect him or the Chiefs to have a Super Bowl hangover, but he's had the drops in the post postseason before. Let's hope it doesn't carry over to the regular season. Number two, DeAndre Hopkins. He would be one if it weren't for this reason. He's one of the most productive receivers in the league in terms of virtually everything, except for targets, and that's why he's not number one. Which, again, which is why I put him at two, unless Kyler learns to rely on him more often, which lately, at least last year, he didn't do that. 
Give him time. But number one is Devontae Adams. Green Bay Packers. I'm kind of feeling last dance vibes here. Although I wouldn't compare Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams to Michael Jordan and Scottie Pimpin. They won six championships. Rodgers and Adams together have won zero. No, championships don't matter, but you get it last dance, last year in Chicago, last year in Green Bay. Him and Rodgers will most likely not be there in 2022, and Adams is taking every chance to show Green Bay what they will be missing next year and possibly Aaron himself. Speaking of Midwest, yes, Green Bay is Midwest. I'm feeling like I'll be right about the Royals. I was kind of getting some 2013 vibes. It was towards the middle of the year in 2013. They ended up 86 and 76. It was towards the middle of the year where they run. I don't won. I don't know how many series in the row. Series in a row. Didn't get swept. Didn't tie. They won. I don't know how many series in a row. And ever since the All Star break, if this lead holds up with Chicago right now, they're winning three to one. Daniel Lich has been playing his butt off like he has been the past couple starts. I'm feeling like they can make a little small run. Not maybe to the playoffs, but respectable. Something they can move forward into 2022 with. 2022 with and not be disappointed in themselves. Edward Oliveras has hit four home runs and five starts. I knew he'd be good, but I didn't know he would start off like this. Maybe it's because he's a new hitter and pitchers haven't figured him out yet, but... I shouldn't say a new hitter, a younger hitter, and pitchers haven't figured him out yet, but he's doing what I thought he would do and more. And like I said, if this lead holds, they'll have won four out of six series since the All-Star break, and Lynch just continues to impress. To get off sports for about two seconds before I end the show, the rapper Nas drops his album tomorrow this evening at midnight, or tomorrow morning, whatever you want to call midnight. King's Disease 2. And he has a certain collaboration on there with my favorite artist ever, Eminem. They have never done that. That's something we probably would have wanted 10 to 15 years ago. I'll take it now. They're both still great artists. Yes, they're older, but it still counts. And I feel like it could be rap song of the year, in my opinion. That's all I have for you guys today. Bit of a shorter episode, I know it. But everyone enjoy the weekend, stay safe, talk to you later this week. Mm-hmm.